Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast, The Wire Remix, Season 3, Episode 6, Homecoming. Um, this episode, of course, was directed by Leslie uh, Leibman. It ranked 29th all-time by Vulture, so Vulture really liked this episode. Um, and, of course, the epigraph by one Avon Barksdale, just a gangster. I suppose. Um, when you receive a text from Rob Sapp pre-episode, you know that it's going to be it's going to be a lot going on. It's going to be a heavy, heavy episode, and Rob Sapp's usage rates usage rates will be about the likes of Russell Westbrook, James Harden in this episode. So Sapp is always pumped up about this episode. Uh, again, a very, very heavy episode and in terms of themes i had a couple in regards to family I had family feuds and community so those are my two themes from this episode and we'll we will of course flush those out over the course of the episode opening scene we we are at um hamsterdam of course is in full swing but we don't begin in hamsterdam we begin looking at what a community looks like when you have no drug dealers or hoppers on the corners. So people are smiling, watering their lawns, uh, just, you know, you know, out there in the morning time, walking the streets, uh, walking the clean streets. And we see that Bunny Coven's experiment is starting to pay dividends within the, within commute, within certain, within a lot of communities on the West, in West Baltimore. Then we get to Hamsterdam. We see Hamsterdam is packed to a T. And um, Colvin is looking on. We see uh, Herc, I mean, Carver is looking on. Carver, of course, says it's not pretty. But, you know, when you round up a, when you round up a bunch of drug dealers and junkies in one spot, it's not going to be pretty. Um, then we see Colvin. Colvin is seeing that his uh, experiment is starting to pay off. So Colvin is wanting to go all in. He basically says, I want says to uh, his officers, I want empty corners. I want empty corners. And he sends them an edict in which they go and start clearing more corners. You see uh, one of the deals is his, uh, his, 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 his truck towed uh, baby cakes, <laughs> which was the name of his truck. And then we see the officers take a bunch of dealers and a bunch of hoppers in the wagon. They drive them out. And this is, of course, our buddy, our buddy Sammy. Santangelo, along with another officer uh, that we'll see over the course of the season, I forgot his name, but um, he'll be, you know, he'll be around um, over the course of the season. We see him, them drive them out to basically the middle of nowhere. And basically the, the message is, listen, you either sell your stuff in Amsterdam or the next time it's going to be West Virginia. So they, you know, they, you know, spray them with uh, tear gas, a pepper spray, one or two. And we see that uh, they let them out again, black, you know, pure, basically midnight or at night. And they say, you know, you know, they joke with them, say, hey, you want to go, you know, Baltimore is uh, this way. I mean, it's something like that. They, they basically say, you want to go the other way. They're looking at the stars, go the other way and start and leave them out there in the middle of nowhere. So the message is being sent. You're either going to be, you're either going to follow along with our program with this program or they're going to be dire consequences. A lot going on in this scene. Um, 
And also we see that uh, Colvin, well, no, that wasn't, that wasn't it. We'll get to that. A lot going on in the scene for well, opening. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, it's, I think it's important at this point in time in the series and the show to, to pause a little bit and think about the questions that they're presenting and how the magnitude of what they're showing and the, how the magnitude of what they're showing has like manifested itself um, uh, to very real situations today. Um, and so uh, this is, so one side of reform is it, to the reformer, it looks like this, and this is my vision, and this is what success looks like. But in the world, you don't just get to live by yourself, and your actions have consequences. And so while your reform might sound good in your head, what are the actual implications? And, and, and we saw two big ones in, in the beginning of this episode. Um, on one side of it, you saw a community that was happy. On the other side, you saw what over-policing looks like um, and what it, can, what it can feel like. Um, and then on the, the other side of it, you also saw, um, you also saw, uh, no, yeah, let me, you're right. That there, another scene is popping into my head. I know exactly which one you were referring to that didn't happen yet. So anyway, so one, one, one big consequence is that this is what, uh, policing, over-policing looks like. And so the question that the show is asking, and I think it's important for us to con contemplate as we go forward um, from now to the end of the series, actually, is um, like who gets to decide? And then what are the consequences to those decisions? Um, and so I think this is, this is setting up that really important question. Yeah, yeah, it's it's you know it's not it's never and of course with the wire nothing is no it's it's never uh, just black and white. They're gonna give you you know variations of of decisions and and, and options from that standpoint. Um, we go to Colvin back to uh, back to Hampshireham. He notices the the, uh, the older lady that we saw in the uh, previous episode who had not you know had not moved out because they didn't identify her as, as, as still being as living there they you know they she was a, they, it was an oversight uh by the officers who were uh doing the scouting for the for those vacant um homes and those uh or, or those uh the, the spots where they were going to have amsterdam Amsterdam at so we coven of course knows what he has to do from that standpoint um We'll see how that plays out in a in a later scene. That definitely would qualify as a a, a setup for a later scene. Um, Avon Stringer and Andy Krawcheck. Of course, Andy Krawcheck is is the land developer that we saw first saw in season two uh, with the Sabakas. He's now you know he's working with Stringer with you know develop with this real estate. So Avon's out. Of course, um, they're walking around the the B and B site of where they're going to put the put up the homes. Uh, Stringer is getting one of his first lessons in real estate about, you know, things just are not as simple as ABC. You have cost overruns, you have uh, things of that nature. 
Um, of course, you know, Stringer has absolutely no idea what he's doing in regards to real estate. And that's what this, that's what this scene is starting, is starting to expose. So it's going to show you. Crawlcheck says, hey, you got to make a call. Uh, you got to make a call to court to uh, Clay Davis. Um, you know, he's somebody that we have, uh, have, you know, this is what we have him uh, there for. Um, well, maybe, no, hold on, I'm getting ahead that we haven't got there yet. But basically, he, um, he, uh, he's frustrated. You see Stringer frustrated um, in terms of the extra cost. And you see Avon, who doesn't have the, uh, his, uh, the helmet on, not helmet, but it doesn't have, a, you know, the safety hat on in, uh, on the construction site and has no interest, of course, no interest in this whatsoever. He jumps in and, and he, you know, despite this, he jumps into the conversation and says, my man's just trying to get some shit built. It doesn't seem like you guys know what you're doing and, and what have you. But Avon, you know, again, Avon has no interest in this whatsoever. Basically, and as they offer him, you know, offer him a lunch to discuss this over lunch, he says, no, I got, I got other shit that I need to do. And he, of course, walks away but this was not again let me not get this scene confused with another scene this was not the scene where, where they discussed clay where where crawl check uh discussed clay davis so let me will that, that's a, that's in a later scene this is basically about this is basically a scene showing that avon has no interest in this uh whatsoever what were your thoughts yeah i mean again like 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 i said this 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 episode is so heavy thematically um, and so, uh, to the point that you made, this there, this is the beginning of something. And so, if if I'm honoring that, like I'm just taking the show exactly where it is at this point in time, then all I know as a viewer is that um, Stringer's really into this, as we know, um, and Avon's not interested in. Um, in this to anywhere near the level that Stringer is. So we go to um, McNulty, Daniels, and Kima. Uh, McNulty and, Dan and Kima, of course, try, are trying to convince Daniels that they need to continue to go after to go after Stringer Bell. They discuss the meeting that he had with Marlo. Up until this point, of course, they don't know that Marlo is, of course, running on is, is doing his own thing. Uh, they, you know, there's a theory that possibly Marlowe could be working with Stringer and, you know, Daniels um, wants no part of this from a standpoint of he's basically telling them that Stringer is quiet and he says, hey, as long as he's quiet, I don't give a shit in terms of what, you know, in, in terms of what he's doing, as long as he's quiet, because he's not dropping bodies. The mandate on the unit right now is bodies. Stringer is quiet up until this point. Um, and they, again, they're trying to convince him they need to get they get, need to get on this case right now. We come back a year from now, we won't be able to get him in the courtroom and what have you. But at this, but again, Daniels is is concerned about the bodies and the bodies only. Um, what were your thoughts on this scene? Yeah. Um, so here's what I encourage people to do. Um, the words that are being said in this episode are not what they mean. So like, like you can listen to the language, but there's so much that is underneath everything. So what's going on with this situation right here is layers on layers on top of layers on top of layers. Um, and so the layers for, for us as the viewers are, we know 
who McNulty is and we know how McNulty is. And we know where Daniels, what Daniels is becoming, the steps that he's making to become. And so um, uh, McNulty is being his regular self. Um, I actually want to take Kima out of this one for a second because I don't actually think Kima's engaged to the idea that McNulty is engaged with. I don't think that's I don't think that's I don't think that's what's going on at all between between those two, to be honest with you. So but McNulty's being who McNulty is and Daniels is putting his foot down um in the in the sand on this. So it doesn't actually have anything to do with any of these investigations, which again goes to the larger systemic things that we've been talking about or that the show has been posing to all oh, again, who gets to decide? Who gets to decide any of these decisions, who to go after, why we're going after them. And what is the purpose of the things that they're doing, right? Or what is the purpose of these things? Why? Why is any of this happening? Like, that's what the show is asking us to ask ourselves and to think about. It's not about what these characters are saying or doing. It's the why now. That's how the why is elevating itself to another level of show. Um, and so uh, just really, also really quickly, um, Noki's wrong. He's dead ass wrong. And it's not a theory. McNulty is saying Marlo and Stringer are together because he wants to get Stringer. And so he's finding any avenue at any point in time. And no, none of the none of the police ever know when someone's doing something. It's called being a police going out, being a detective. <laughs> like that is what it's that's how you find out. And so I keep saying that it's not that they don't don't see Marlo, can't see him coming, anything else. As a matter of fact, Marlo's not being quiet with anything. It's everybody else that refuses to see him coming. They're refusing to. He's not being sneaky. He's not trying to hide. No. And so, no. Um, and so in any of that, no, 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 that's not even the point of it. The point of it is, in, in, this, in this part, is this is not about the case. This is not about bodies this is not about kintel this is not about da, da, da. this is now transitioning into something else that is specifically between um daniels and mcnulty so we have um bulk and last and landsman so bulk types up a 10-page report on trying to on attempting on on getting a uh on dozeman's gun um uh, types it, you know, by himself. Landsman says, hey, you did this all by, you know, you did this by yourself. Says, yes. Um, of course, they don't have the gun yet, but Landsman is impressed enough to let, to allow Bump to uh, go into, to to uh, investigate the, the shootings that, you know, with, with Omar and the Barksdales. He tells Landsman, hey, I'm a murder police. I got two on my plate here. Um, I'm gonna, I got, I'm gonna work this case. And then you see Bunk, you see Lansman give him, gives him a, a, a head nod as, you know, kind of say, okay, do your thing. And, uh, and, 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 and they move on. Uh, what were your thoughts on this uh, scene? Which was a quick scene, but still gonna lead to a lot. What were your thoughts? Yeah, <laughs> I, it's, it, well acted scene, just really well acted scene. Um, so we get to Avon Stringer and Slim Charles. Um, 
Now, Avon is home. Um, they're driving through the uh, neighborhood, driving through, through the uh, places where they had to, where, you know, where uh, the prime real estate is, the best real estate is. And of course he sees, Avon that is, sees that they don't have any of the prime real estate um, at all. And he's getting pissed off. Stringer's in the back seat. Uh, of course, Slim Charles is driving. And Stringer, something interesting happens. Stringer is trying to give him kind of an update on what's going on. And he cuts Stringer off the second time and says, listen, let we hired him for muscle. Him being Slim Charles, let him tell it. Very important. And, I, and I'll detail, I'll talk about that, you know, after this scene. Slim Charles tells him, hey, this young boy named Marlo ran us, you know, had a setback with him, uh, took out a couple of our boys or beat up a couple of our boys. He's trying to, Avon, of course, doesn't, you know, he's been, been, been in jail for 26 months, doesn't know who the hell, who Marlo is from anybody else. Says, you know, is he down with one of these mobs? And uh, Charles, Slim Charles is like, no, he's, he's on his own. So this even incenses Avon that much more. He says, a prime, he says, an independent, an independent with no backing ran us up, ran us up off the corner. And he says, I must be losing my motherfucking mind. And you see, you see uh, Stringer now, you see Stringer, they, they, the camera pans to Stringer and you see, you know, him not shake his head, but you see his concern on his face, knowing that, you know, thing, you know, knowing what hey, he, he sees what's coming. He sees what's coming on the horizon here. Um, what were your thoughts on, on this scene? Yeah. Um, you know, this, this kind of, uh, further just established the things that we've been talking about with Stringer and Avon. Um, you know, uh, if, if particularly like at the time, if you look at what Stringer's trying to do as to be more new school, then what Avon represents is old school. Um, so Stringer New School game, Avon Old School game. And so they're kind of setting up those lines in this one. Very important here. Um, I mentioned like, so back in uh, season two, at the end of the uh, end of season two, they were in jail. Uh, Avon was in jail. And then you had that scene where he was pissed off about how Stringer went about talking to uh, Brother Muzon and asking him, you know, who did it. And then, but he concedes to Stringer saying, hey, you go make the deal with, with uh, Prop Joe, even though the debt deal had already been made and run it, run it as you see fit until I get home. Now he's home and he like, and this is continuing from last episode where he saw the two dudes getting high in the middle uh, of a party, had them tossed out. Now he sees that he has no, they have no real estate. So he is not happy. With what with what Stringer has uh, has done as a leader, he's not happy, or where his organization is at right now. Uh, also, and I mentioned this about him going to Slim Charles um, about getting information. That was important because you you know it was a time where all the information went through went through Stringer when they went dealing with Omar. It was like, hey. How you know how are we supposed to deal with this? Or how do you want? What do you think about this? Now he goes to Stringer, Slim Charles, and I you know I can make a kind of make a case that you know Stringer has been somewhat demoted. 
because I, I need, you know, I'm at home. I need to go on and know what's going on in the streets. You seem, you can't help me with this. So I, we have this guy, we have this new dude, new muscle, Slim Charles, who I've got, who I'm collecting information from, um, information from. So I found that, you know, found those, found that interesting in, in regards to, um, to this uh, particular scene. Um, we go to uh, Bulk and uh, Tasha's mother. Of course, Tasha was killed in the shootout when uh, Omar and, and uh, with Omar and the Barksdales. So Bulk lets them know, you know, basically lets them know that, um, hey, we know, I know Tasha wasn't an innocent victim. She was part of, you know, she, she was a player in this situation. She was a player. Um, and they basically give Bulk, um, they basically give Bunk next to nothing as far as any important information. But Bunk is not there about the information as much as he there is there to send a message to uh, to send a message to Omar. He leaves his card. She plunks the card away. But he does say before he leaves, hey, make sure the right people, Omar, get this. Uh, make sure you reach out to the right people and says, hey, I'm basically going to be on you until, you know, um, I'm going to be on you. Uh, moving forward, so you know, Bunk is Bunk was there not so much. Bunk knew he wasn't going to solve the case in visiting them, but he was there to send a message and to get the information passed along uh, to one Omar, which we'll see how that pans out. Uh, what were your thoughts on this scene? Yeah, now nah, you named it set up for Omar. Um, McNulty and Kima. Go down to Annapolis. They're looking further into D'Angelo's uh, D'Angelo's murder, um, and the people's down in Annapolis do not, of course, want to want to turn this into a murder. Uh, so I thought, you know, thought that it spoke to that. Um, they just want to pass as long as a suicide and, and just keep it moving. Uh, quick scene, but wait, wait, pause, wait. pause. I can't do that. Pause, 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 pause. Pause. That is not what's going on in that scene. The note brings this case, cold case, to Annapolis, and she asks him. She's like, "Did they, did they say this is a murder?" He's like, "Maybe." He's like, "The the 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 um the 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 um coroner will go." Um, with further, it will go if we uncover further investigation, and then she goes. Do you have a suspect? <laughs> he goes, oh, yeah, no, no, not true. really. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, yeah. and she's like, uh, so why am I? Why would I be doing this? Um, and then she goes, we we like to duck a case a few around here, not lean into every every right, single no, one. She, no, she's um, right. So, no, anyways, no, I, 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 she, no, yeah, you're absolutely right. She's right because there's not enough. You know, there's there's not a he there's doesn't nothing, have enough. There's, there's nothing. nothing. There's there's nothing. He, yeah, he hasn't. He, 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 he has nowhere near enough to uh, to flip that to, into a murder. So no, you're right from that. Story. No, it, me also including it's not his murder. It's not his investigation. Right, right. It was done by the people. And it's nothing. He's just he's he's a cop and he's using his abilities to to. Anyways, we 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 we've we've addressed McNulty plenty of times. We know yeah. what McNulty's doing. So go ahead, get, sorry. No, go ahead. So, no, that, that's basically it in, in regards to that. And you laid out what you thought about. What do you thought about the scene? Or you want to add anything to that? Yeah, nope, that's it. So we go to Daniels and, and Marla, uh, Lieutenant uh, Cedric and Marla. They're at, they're at an outing that's full of politicians. 
um, a lot going on in this scene because you see um, Marla now is you know starting to get some starting to get it get attention. Um, you see Odell Watkins, Odell Watkins, Delegate Watkins discussing basically saying that hey, um, you know it's time for some new blood in certain parts. So he has his eyes on uh, Marla, on Marla Daniels. Um, Tony Gray was there. He hears that, uh, and, Odell, and Odell also says in this scene that, that he's not, that, you know, Clarence, uh, that he's not happy with uh, Clarence Royce. He gives a, the first indication of, of not being happy with Royce. Tony Gray hears this, and we'll talk about that, how we'll talk about that later. Um, so we see, you know, again, Cedric Downs is playing the part of you know, they have to portray this image of everything is good in regards to Cedric and, and Marla uh, because he's trying to help her out. And uh, she's starting to make inroads in regards to her political career. Um, and in her really first time, she's getting noticed by very important people, which in the most, of course, the most important person in that room that, that it was shown in the scene was Odell Watkins. Uh, what were your thoughts on this scene? Yeah, I mean, exactly. I think the only thing I would add on to what you said was I just thought it was a really clever way of like um, including the or like including the audience and breaking down the information by having Tony Gray deliver like wh like why Royce might be teetering a little bit. I thought that was very clever. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. It really, yeah, it's. It's really setting up like uh, future episodes and even seasons ahead. Like this is the first in terms of the political thing. So like you know, this is kind of like the beginnings uh, of that from that standpoint. And we'll, of course, we'll see how that how that plays out. But um, giving you some you know, more some more insight with with the political uh, with how things go uh, in terms of you know the political game here. Um, we go to back to McNulty and Kima. Uh, they're at a bar. Um, they're discussing, you know, their next possibly their next move, and then they begin to talk about um, his personal life in regards to where he's at with his uh, ex-wife. He says, you know, basically says, you know, you know, fuck her. She's has her hooks into a, a, a downtown lawyer, or oh, he's on to somebody, on to somebody else. And they bring up Teresa Di Garcino, the, the lady that he's you know slept with in the previous, maybe it was the yeah, that was last episode. Uh, so he talks talks about her, says that some you know she's somebody that um, might you know tells him when the shit stinks, and you know he's describe he's describing her glowingly describing her. So they they kind of discuss that quick scene. But uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you. I think the only thing that I would add on to that is just, oh, this is what I mean. Why I wanted to separate Kima out from from uh, from McNulty's self-destructive behavior is because this is this is a perfect example. She she's not even she's not an enabler, McNulty. I, anyways, I I talked last week about what I thought she was seeking from from McNulty, but um. So this is a scene like when McNulty, like at the very beginning of the scene, McNulty kind of looks over at another um, woman um, and 
she was kind of looks at he looks at her to kind of like kind of like gives her that nod, kind of like what he would do with Bunk. But she looks at him and immediately laughs at him and goes, "You don't have a chance." And they continue on in the conversation, and so that's why I'm separating Kima out. Kima Kima is not a she's not part of McNulty's uh, part of McNulty's manipulative manipulating cycle. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. There's another scene to dive dive into. Yeah, yeah. dive into that. Yeah, we'll, we'll, I know we'll, your counterpoint. There's another scene. We, we'll we'll talk about. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll talk about yeah. that. Um, yeah. So yeah. we uh, go to Marla and Cedric. Um, so the night is over. Um, Marla, uh, in regards to that, she of course thanks him for showing up. And what have you, um, and kind of, and not kind of, you know, kind of initiates to him. Hey, maybe we should, maybe we could possibly get back together. Which now she doesn't say it, but she gives the indication, and he says, you know, hold up, like you know, I'm, I'm just here to, um, you know, show up. You tell me which suit to wear. I'm there, and what have you, uh, and what have you, and anything else beyond that, I just don't know. Of course. She doesn't know about uh, Perlman. Uh, she doesn't know about Perlman, and as, and when he says that, she removes, takes her hand off his hand, and um, you know, and and the scene uh, concludes. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, this scene only exists to explain the functionality of their relationship to the audience. Yeah, so we go on to Avon and Stringer uh, after, of course, this is, a, you know, this is at the end of the day. Uh, they both are, you know, they're in the office. Avon, as we mentioned before, is unhappy about the current predicament of the Barksdale organization with not having the prime real estate of the corners. Stringer at this point is trying to convince him to move on from, he says, you know, we we move past that running gun, let the youngins worry about, you know, how to wholesale. Says, you know, we're making so much money off the top, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter who gives a fuck about who's who's uh, which corner anybody is on if we're taking it off the top and putting it, you know, let's put it to good use, you know, in terms of real estate and things of that nature. Says, hey, we can run this whole city. Forget about corners, we can run this entire city. Um, Avon's taking this in and he's just basically saying, you know, he said, to, you know, he tells them, hey, we don't, when do we buy corners? You know, we take corners. And again, a, you have Stringer just trying to convince him to a, a different way or a new way of thinking. But, you know, Avon comes out with the, with the epigraph, um, I, you know, just a gangster. I'm just a gangster, I suppose. And he says he wants, he uh, wants his corners. Uh, it's just it's just that simple. Um, did Springer make a uh, strong enough plea to Avon? Do you were you satisfied from that standpoint? Um, all right. So again, this that's I try I tried to warn you. This is a yeah. deep episode. Yes. And, and, uh, and beyond, everything beyond everything it. is way uh, you gotta uh, go way way yes. deeper, yes. way deeper in that. So okay. Let's break this scene down, okay? Um, uh, 
either last episode or episode before this, where they were having a conversation um, where where Avon was talking about to Stringer, remember how you were um, all like own our own businesses. And then and then Stringer's like, yeah, you was with the AK-47. You wanted to go take on, um, I forgot the the dealer's name or uh, whatever, yeah. but he's famous. Uh, that conversation. Yeah. So yeah. I bring, I only bring that up to say, this is, we've been talking about them like they're business partners and they're not. This is not a business partnership. These are brothers. This is a, this is, they know who they are. Each of them know who they are. And I've always known who they are and where they stand on this, this side of it. Um, and it's manifested itself in a lot of different ways throughout their lives. But the connection is brotherhood. The connection is family. So you, you got to switch out that lens. So these are two brothers having a discussion. These are two close family members having this discussion. And anybody who has someone really near and dear close to them who they spend a lot of time and know a lot about know that in any conversation, the words are layered based off the history that you have. And so while I may say a comment that sounds very, like, for example, with my brother, I may say a comment that sounds very chill and I'm not trying to upset him, but because he remembers something 20 years ago that I did to him, now he's upset. Um, and I say that to say, that's the level of depth of their conversation. And so when they're having this conversation right here and now, this is their fingers, not trying to convince him of anything per se. Um, and neither is Avon trying to going to try to convince Stringer of anything per se, like through, through their words. Um, Stringer in the back gives that uh, back in the car. Like when, when, um, when Slim Charles is telling um, Avon about Marlo, he's giving that, uh, that, that kind of yeah. like down is because he knows, he's like, uh, like you said, he knows what this is going to bring out. And what this is going to bring out is the gangster. Avon wants his corners. Avon has always wanted his corners. Avon has always thought in a way that is confrontational. Stringer does not think like that. Has never thought like that has always been about how do we make the best deal possible. Now, that deal could include killing and murdering, doing all the crazy stuff that, that is done in the game, or the deal could look like coming together with a other group to, perform, to, to form a conglomerate. Avon can't think that way. He can't think in, in, in that. Like you said, there's lots of grays. There's not lots of grays in Avon's life. No. Avon is black and white. And Stringer is all gray. Now, it's very important that we talk about this because I have to, again, I have to say, this is what elevates the wire and this is what elevates this season because this season starts to tell a much deeper story than what is going on in the drug game. Like, that's actually the least important thing possible now because they're opening the world Drugs is just a symptom. The, the I was about to say, I was, I was about to say a real project here. Um, the, the, um, the, what was their projects called? Um, the towers. The towers 
was just a symptom of the problem. The show, The Wire, is taking us on a journey to what are the real problems that created the environment, that created the stringers and the Avons, no matter what side of the spectrum they sit on, whether they're more gangster, whether they're more politician, it still is about pumping a deadly disease into a community. These are the bigger questions. And that's why I say the words, yep, they're nice, but the wires is exploding beyond what the words are and what the singular actions of each individual character. They're exploding now because they're gearing up for what will be season four. And in season four, none of the actions matter. It's all about the deeper meaning. Um, yeah. We have, uh, we get to Omar, Kima, uh, Omar, Dante, and Kima, Kimmy, I mean, excuse me, Kimmy. She tells, Kimmy tells, Dante, tells Omar uh, and Dante about uh, the police uh, bunk meeting with Tasha's peoples. Uh, Omar, when she gives Omar the car, he recognizes that his bump says that he knows he knows him. She, of course, is still, you know, upset about what happened to Tasha and says, you know, says maybe we should tell her, tell him what, you know, what really happened. And, you know, he, of course, brushes that off and says, you know, I got this, I'll take care of it. Uh, I got this, I'll take care of it. And again, this scene continuing on with family feuds, there clearly is still tension within that, those that threesome of Omar, Kima, Kimmy, excuse me, Omar, Kimmy, and um, Dante. But the message has been sent from Bunk, and, and Bunk, of course, accomplishes what he what he set out to do, and that was get to get the message to Omar. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, you named it. It's exploring the tensions between that group. So we get to Coven. And the elderly lady that we saw that we saw going to the vacant, uh, he tries to convince her to move. He says he has something set up, uh, a nice house uh, not too far from a church on the bus line. Uh, she doesn't have to worry about the money. She tries to explain to him, "Look, I've been in this house, you know, forever. Um, you know, we I came to this place. Very, very important. What she says, she says I came to this house." when we were the only blacks in this neighborhood, which shows you how much, of course, that neighborhood has changed and says, you know, criticizes Bunk. But also that, shows you how long she's been there. Yeah, that's not, yeah, that's basically what I'm saying. So she says, um, yeah, you have a plan for me getting this new house, but you don't have a plan for what's outside of uh, my doorway. Um, criticizes, uh, you know, uh, Colvin from that standpoint. And again, you know, when you get to her age. Um, no, don't do that. It's real bad. Uh-uh. Uh, no, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me finish. Let me finish. No, I'm not, I'm not criticizing. I hope I live that long. I tried. I okay, hope, all right. I wish I lived that long. So I'm not, no, it's not age shaming, but I'm saying it's, it's harder for older people to like, to like move on from the, to move in general. Like I've been here for 40 years. I'm not trying to move in general. Like, so she's coming from that standpoint as well. So I, no, 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 I'm not, yeah. So she, you know, yeah, you can tell me about this new house, but I've been here. This is a house that I, mm -hmm. house has, despite what's going on in the neighborhood and despite the drugs and all that, 
this house holds sentimental value to her. She built, she bought it with her husband. So, you know, from that standpoint, she, you know, part of her or a lot of her probably doesn't, doesn't um, want to move. But, and also, again, she's criticizing him saying that you don't have a plan. You, you don't have a plan for what's outside my doorway. Um, what were your thoughts on this scene? Yep. Um, okay. So this is a top five all time scene for me. Um, whoa, it's, a it's, it's a powerhouse. Yeah, 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 no, it's a powerhouse. It's a powerhouse. Um, uh, and so, um, without getting so deep into it, cause I could go for hours just literally on this scene without getting so deep into it. Um, we'll just take it on this surface level. Who gets to, who gets to make the decision? Who gets to make the choices? Who asked her if that could happen to her neighborhood? Right? right. So we got the micro example of Bunny made this decision based off of who cares? He made this decision. Um, and now she has to live with the consequences. Now, you can say, well, Bunny's only reacting to what his circumstances are. Okay. So then who made that decision and who created that, right? And so, that, like, as you said, this is gray. And so we can't get into the trap of defending these characters' actions. Like thinking the, 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 the motives of the characters that we like on this show or the characters that perceive as likable are just a right motive, because they're not. Nothing that Bunny's doing is okay. Nothing, zero. He's told nobody of this plan. He's breaking every law known to man. He's putting people like that. It's just no, no part of this is a good idea. None, zero. Um, and so, and so again, it's a deeper, larger question. The question is, um, is like, uh, what happens when you try to make change, and how do you go about it? There are no easy answers, and the wire doesn't even try to present easy answers to this. But they're starting to pose the question, and that's why this season, and as you can tell, this episode um, is so super important because it's elevating those levels of of questioning that is going on. Yeah. Yeah, and also, um, so I'm looking. At it's also about how do you know how do people receive change as well um we saw like she's not she, she doesn't receive the change and we saw we saw in the previous episode not previous episode but a couple scenes back avon is not receiving the change so we can uh, talk about that uh, as well um really quickly though what see what's the change when we said reform we can't say, we can't automatically assume or put on reform as reform in itself is good. So just because you're a reformer doesn't mean you're doing things good, doing things for good. No, that no, has no, to no, be no, no, very, no, very no, clear. No, right? no, absolutely. And no. so <laughs> then in that case, then what's the change to accept, right? So if we look at Bunny, Colvin, Detective Colvin, if we look at this woman, that's why it's such a deep scene. For her, what she is saying is, this is my home. I paid for this land. I worked hard. I created a life here. 
Why doesn't that count for something? Where is my protection from that? I'm an 80-year-old woman. There's all this going outside my door. Why am I not the one who is most valued in this equation? Now, the Avon, Avon doesn't need to accept that change. Nobody asked him, and he's, he's been fairly consistent in what he thought about what Stringer's doing. There's nothing he needs to accept because he never, he never, I mean, there, he never accepted anything in the first place. So this is not a change. This is just, this is Stringer doing what he wants to do. And this is Bunny doing what he wants to do. Now they're doing it because they think it's best. Absolutely. Which is an important part of being human. We all do the actions we think are best, but a very great indicator of if those actions truly are, you know, the the end get the end result we want is from the people who are adversely affected by the actions. Not everybody's happy with what happened. The people who are adversely affected by it, and why are they adversely affected by it? And that's why that scene between um, Bunny Colvin and the woman is such a powerful scene because there is no right or wrong answer in that in that equation. It's just all pain. Yeah, no, there's no question about it. Uh, we have, we go to Bodie and Stringer. Um, they're discussing Amsterdam. Uh, Stringer sees what's going on. He uh, decides to, he tells Bodie, hey, you know, we're gonna, I, I'll give you a, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's give one of our, you know, little hoppers a package, make it small, just in case it's a trap. So the, the wheels are spinning in his head, his head in terms of Amsterdam or in terms of what he possibly seen. And uh, of course, Stringer, not Stringer, Bodie, of course, acquiesces and, and, and um, says, you know, you know, I'll, you know, report, you know, Stringer tells him, you know, I'll report back to me directly from this. Uh, we know the history of their relationship. So um, he basically, uh, Bodie does what he's told. Uh, what were your thoughts on this scene? Set up. Not, I mean, just a good thing, not even set up. There, everything, yeah, this is, everything that's set up is major. So this is, this is a good thing, just transitioning us to get goes, into, go ahead. Yeah, what you about to say? No, 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 go ahead. We go to Avon and Slim Charles. Um, Avon uh, realizes um, just how weak, they are uh, now from from the standpoint of you know he basically saying like who do we got? Um, and Slim Charles says, hey, you know, Cuddy is gonna work out, but he doesn't know he doesn't know about these other dudes that they have around him. Um, he tries to ask about another a, a number of hitters who are either locked up or 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 locked up or on the run who are not available. You know, we hit Eggy Mule. Uh, Shorty Boy and a lot of these names, by the way, are, are real ex light ex uh, either kingpins or or killers who were in uh, Baltimore, West Baltimore. So you know the names. If these names sound familiar, then there's a reason why. Um, so he basically, you know, tells Slim Charles, "Hey, you know, take you know Cuddy and the best of the rest." And he, you know, like he said earlier in this episode, he wants his corners. So he sends out, he sends Cuddy, not Cuddy, he sends Slim Charles out to uh, go 
and uh, you know, put a hurting on Marlowe and, and and go after his uh, corners. Um, what were your thoughts on this scene? Uh, this is set, this is set up just because it's leading to a much bigger thing that I'll talk about. We go to Stringer and Andy Krawcheck. Krawcheck said there's been a setback with the real estate. Um, Stringer, of course, is frustrated, saying, "You know how I'm supposed to make some money? How you know how anybody? How are we supposed to get any, anywhere with this if you keep going in my pockets?" Uh, Krawcheck says, "Hey, man, you need you need to make the call." He says again. Uh, talking in terms of making the call, he's talking about Clay Davis. Uh, says tells him, "Yeah, Clay is a guy who." Is a political connect that you need to uh, get things done in this world. Uh, he says, you know, democracy in action. Um, and, uh, you know, again, strength, you know, we, we've seen, we're seeing, you know, Stringer's journey with this uh, particular um, plot line. Um, what were your thoughts on, on this scene with, uh, with the real estate developer, land developer? Uh, yeah. I yeah, I'm just I'm just gonna call it out right now because every scene with them will always be tinted in this. Um, I'll tell you exactly the thing that really disgusts Avon about what's going on, and it has nothing to do with the drug game. Is that um, is that being a part? Oh, that's that was in, entirely accurate. Um, being a part of all the different stuff that they've done, criminal. Um, uh, drugs and and uh, and everything else illicit that they've done included requires you to hustle people and not get hustled. Yes, yes. Avon can smell the hustle coming a mile away. Yeah, he can see it. He can see it, and it's disgusting that Stringer can't see it. It disgusts him that Stringer can't see it. Well, I'm. You so say that. every every single scene that involves the retailer is some part of that. Avon's wow. getting, I mean, Stringer's getting um, getting hustled. And this is not even something we all, like, this is not even something that is like, oh, baked into the end of the series, like you're only figure out then. We've all been, any of us who are adults, and again, this is the difference between 24-year-old me and 40-year-old me. Um, uh, those of us who have had to have repairs on various things in our lives, um, uh, in our homes or cars or whatever, that's, that's more what I mean rather than our bodies, um, know how, how it operates sometimes. And when all these things keep coming up, coming up, coming up, you're upselling me. I know you're what you're doing. I know exactly what you're doing. You're trying to get me to buy more stuff or trying to make this job last longer so you can get more money. Right. We can all sense it as just regular adults. And our li our lives don't depend on us being able to sniff out a hustle like that. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So and that's what's I, that's I wanna, what's I I said the word disgusting. You know, no, I'm not attributing that specific word to 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 fit. You can use frustrated, mad, upset, whatever words you want to use, whatever feeling words you want to use in there. But that's genuinely what every single one of these scenes are about. So in the scene earlier, when Avon was there at the construction site, and I forgot to mention this, uh, yeah. he says, it seems like the expertise is not where it's supposed to be. Now, he said, he said it to Crawlcheck, but I, 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 I feel like he was speaking, just as much as he was talking to Crawlcheck, that he was speaking to Stringer as well. 
what he said. I mean, but he's not speaking those specific words. You got to go deeper than that. You got to go deeper. When Avon pays somebody to do something, what does he expect to happen? The job to get done. Right. Does yeah. anybody ever come back to Avon and say, I need more money to get this no. job done? No, no. Exactly. Exactly. That's yeah. what he's reacting to. So we go to um, Cuddy, Slim Charles, and Gerard, and uh, another Barstow soldier was in the room as well. Uh, they're devising a plan to attack Marlowe's corners. Um, and like the plan, like the plan was laid out there. Like, hey, Cuddy told, you know, Slim Charles says, look, listen, you know, they basically tell them, wait for the call. Um, you don't want to be shooting, you don't want to be shooting across the driver. Um, and so on and so on. So they give, they detail a, a plan that seemingly was a, uh, was a good plan. Um, we'll see how it plays out, but you hear Gerard and the other guy say, you know, you know, we don't, you hear the other dude says, is going to be some rift left for us? Cause I don't want to be as a, I don't want to be just a decoy, uh, used as a decoy. And at, when he says that, when he said that you, you knew it wasn't going, you knew things weren't going to go well when he asked that question, instead of focusing on the actual execution of the plan that they laid out for them, uh, that Cuddy and uh, Slim Charles have laid out for them. Uh, what were your thoughts on this scene? Yeah, this is sad. I'll get more into it at the very end. So we go to Colvin and Colonel Foster. Colvin, of course, um, he fought, Colvin was Foster to sign off on the house for the for the for the uh, elderly lady. Um, Foster reluctantly does this. I mean, reluctantly uh, does this, and he says, "If something comes up, you lose. You know, you forge my signature. Um, you forge my signature." And, um, and of course, he says, "You know, Rawls better not get whiffed of this, and, and what have you." So we see, you know, again, Colvin is, you know, cutting corners from that standpoint and not telling anybody. You know, of course, that his bosses don't absolutely don't know uh, what is going on from that standpoint. Uh, what were your thoughts? Uh, set up. So we go to Cuddy Slim, Slim Charles, Country, uh, um, and the other guy that was in the car, Gerard, and the other dude, the unknown, unnamed dude, uh, Barstow Soldier, were in, were in the car. And of course, they don't follow the instructions. Um, they don't follow the instructions. They Instead of waiting for the call from Cuddy and Slim Charles, they decide, hey, let's, you know, Avon's home. Let's impress, you know, let's impress Avon. They, and, and keep in mind, um, Marlo's ready for war. We saw that in the last episode when he told Chris to tool up. He's ready there. So Marlo's crew is ready. They're strapped. They're, they're waiting for somebody for, for an attack. So they, the lookouts see these guys, see them coming a mile away. They, the lookouts go let Marlo's crew know who, know, know that they're up right up the street. They come through uh, out of nowhere. Driver gets shot. Country gets shot. Uh, Cuddy and Slim, Slim Charles, recognize this. They and they toss their guns and um, in frustration, um, saying, "You know, because they clearly didn't follow follow instructions on waiting for the phone call that they were supposed to receive uh, from Cuddy or and Slim Charles." And they uh, run off. Gerard, the guy with the, the dreadlocks, uh, he gets he gets away but the driver and country both get uh, shot and killed without even getting a shot off. Um, 
on Marlowe's peoples. Uh, what were your thoughts? This is our uh, setup. I'll talk about it at the end. Uh, Tony and Carchetti, they, um, again, playing racquetball again. They discuss Delegate Watkins' comments. Uh, Carchetti, not Carchetti, uh, Tony Gray says, Watkins says, you know, that Delegate Watkins that, that says that he's, you know, a little, a little unhappy with Royce or a little disappointed with Royce. And then once he says that, you see Carchetti's mind, you see Carchetti's wheels start spinning. Uh, once he says that in terms of his facial expression. Um, and then uh, Carchetti, and yeah, man, Carchetti is so, is, is so cunning. Carchetti says, um, you know, um, maybe somebody should take a run at him. You think somebody will take a run at, at, at Royce? And uh, that gets uh, Tony Gray's wheels to start spinning and it gives him some thoughts. What were, what were your uh, well well just just well played by Carcetti man, in terms of what he's doing. Uh, what were your thoughts on this scene? Yeah, but that's also why I said um, at the so absolutely. And then the thing that I would add on is just that that's that's why it was important to bring for me to bring up the point early on of how smart it was to have Tony Gray talk about like all the different things because Tony Gray is actually the one that's feeding Carcetti the information. He's feeding him the he's the instrument of his own destruction. He just doesn't know it. Yes. Um. Yeah. So so that that's that's why I thought it was very clever. Uh, we go to Marlo, Vincent, Snoop, and Chris. This is the first appearance of Snoop. Uh, that we see her first appearance on the show. Um, of course the shootout the, the shootout is taking place. Marlo um, Marlo tells uh, Vincent, hey, you know, the Barksdale's are weak right now. His peoples didn't get a shot off. Um, I don't want it to stop. You know, that's just what, you know, that we, you know, we have a, you know, I'm dealing with a full clip. And they, as he turns to Snoop and Chris and uh, Vincent's, you know, Vincent tells him, he's like, hey, you know, when you, you know, if you're holding the crown, he said, "Gray." He says, uh, "Jail cells and graveyards are, are full of boys who wore the crown." Marlo says, "Hey, well, it's my turn to wear it, and uh, it's my turn to, uh, to wear it." So right now, he, you know, and rightfully so, he doesn't have it, you know, really any respect for the Barksdales, uh, for what they, you know, for what they can do uh, for for their organization because right now they are weak. He says, and he says he specifically points out. They didn't even, not only did we kill two of them, they, they didn't even get a near shot off. And he says that speaks to the quality of Barksdale's people, uh, of Barksdale's people. So it's clear where Marlowe's head is at right now. Um, um, clear where his head is at right now. And again, we see Snoop for the first time uh, in the series. What are your thoughts? Shut up. Bubbles and Kima. Bubbles, um, has his t-shirt business and has his t-shirt business going. He uh, lets Kima know that two of Avon's people got shot, were killed, were killed by Marlo. He lets her know and clear and gets this clarifies the fact that Marlo is not with Avon, um, and that he he says, "Hey, he's flying his." Own. He says he says he's flying his own colors, and he says before the scene is over that uh, that he says Westside's about to be all Baghdad and shit. So Bubbles, again, having to eat on the street, knowing what's going on, and you see how valuable he is. And Kima, of course, realizes that, you know, 
now not her as much, but McNulty had it all wrong in regards to the any type of collaboration that was with the Barksdales or or Marlowe. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yep, set up. That's what it revealed. We go to Colvin and Carver. Uh, of course, he's following the shootout. Um, Colvin is seeking information on who got shot and who was involved. And of course, Carver has nothing uh, has nothing to show for it as far as knowing and having any information. Has nothing. Uh, has nothing, which of course frustrates um, frustrates Colvin. Uh, what were your thoughts on on this scene? Set up. Omar and Bruiser. Bruiser, of course, is the older gentleman that uh, that Bunk was speaking to, spoke to last episode. They, and this was a quick scene, but it, you know, we'll 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 see what happens. Uh, what had what came out of this scene. Um, so again, quick scene, but again, this is a, will be a setup for a scene with uh, Bunk and uh, Omar. So. Get to Carcetti and fam and family. Carcetti gets home. Uh, he's looking to play a tape that from one of his counsel from one of his hearings, and he gets gets annoyed that a that his son uh, hit a put a sandwich <laughs> hit a sandwich in a VCR, which shows you how old this show was. That 2004. That the fact that they, they're still using uh, VCRs, and they were yep 2004. They still were using VCRs at that point. I I had one. I remember. Um, so. Um, what were in a scene that uh, a scene that probably didn't need to be in here to be honest with you? What were your thoughts? Um, yeah, this is set up, this is just showing not even set up, showing him at home with his family, yeah. So, yeah, a scene that probably didn't even really need to be in uh, in this episode. Donette and Brianna, um, very important. So, Brianna tells Don, Donette tells Brianna, hey, she's with. She's with Stringer now, kind of, she's seeking her, basically seeking Brianna's approval to, to be with Stringer, considering that, you know, she, you know, uh, dated, not dated, but was with D'Angelo, of course, and had a child by him. The Brianna is, is very, uh, is, you know, doesn't, you know, says, hey, D's been going almost a year now. Uh, you know, Stringer is handsome and what have you, uh, you know, have no problem with it. Then she mentions uh, Brianna, Donette mentions McNulty's visit and really gets uh, Brianna's wheel spinning when she messes McNulty's visit and tells in his speculation that D'Angelo uh, may have not may have been murdered. Um, we'll see again. This is a big time, uh, big time scene and, and things that things that are going to happen moving forward. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, like it, it's playing at a deeper theme that will happen later on. So it's hard to talk about that without spoiling some things. Yeah, yeah. Um, Daniels and Perlman. So you see Daniels discussing um, discussing Perlman and her future in terms of politics. Uh, says that she's going to run. For, uh, she's going to run. Uh, she's going to run for office, and, and with it says that you know, with knowing her, that she's probably going to win. Says that you know he has to be there. He's going to be there for her. Perlman is not happy about the situation because up until this point, they have not came out publicly yet. So their, you know, their affair has is, is, is been in secret, really. Um, 
in terms of publicly, maybe uh, you know, McNulty and some some people like that know it, but not not you know, not it's not we haven't dropped it. Every, everybody doesn't know. So Daniels basically explains to her, hey, you know, I can't, I can't, I, I have to help her out. I can't be the just not even divorced husband with the white woman on his arm. Um, and you know, Pearlman again is not happy about the current predicament, but you know, it is what it is. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, this, I mean, like to see a style, yep, everything that you said. And then the only thing that I would add is that the scene just kind of like establishes what, where, um, where their particular relationship is at. Yeah, and, and by the way, and I, and I just thought about this problem. If you're problem, you, you have no right to be, to be upset. You are messing with a, you're messing with a married man. Like you would, like he's not even, they're barely separated. So you, like, you, like, I mean, so I think, I don't think she really was in the place to be upset. He's, you know, still trying to uh, figure out his marriage. Um, he's with you and he's still trying to figure out, he's trying to help out his ex-wife who has been along, who's, who has been with him all these years trying to further his career. So I don't, I don't think Perlman had really a leg to stand on as far as being, uh, as far as being upset. Um, we go to Avon Stringer and Slim Charles. Of course, Avon is is upset um, in regards to two of his two of his people's getting killed. He's holding a gun in his hand. Um, he's <laughs> Avon basically says, "You know, I want to do. I'm going to do this shit myself." Stringer tries to calm him down, saying, "You know, let's, you know, let me handle this. Um, let's build up our muscle. You know, let's wait and let's build up our muscle." Avon says, oh, we don't have time for that. He says, you know, then when word gets out that he's that, that this dude is punking me, you know, what am I gonna look like? Um you see then Cuddy and uh Slim, Slim Charles mainly says, Hey, let me and Cuddy handle this ourselves so it's no so nobody fucks up. Let's so there's nobody fucks up. Avon tells him, you know, get it right. They walk out, uh, and then you see Avon is kind of you know zoned out with a gun in his hand and you see Stringer talking about Amsterdam and Avon basically, Avon, you know, is not listening to Stringer at all. Um, and then Stringer tries to, you know, then at the end of the scene, Avon's like, you know, you say something, you know, and Stringer says, you know, nothing at all. And uh, so I said nothing at all, which again shows you what directions, that the directions, just how polar just shows you how it was indicative of where they're at in in direction in, in terms of directions that they're going in. Um, just basically not just you know you see Avon just not paying attention to him at all uh, during that that time period during that when he was discussing uh, Amsterdam. Um, what were your thoughts on this scene? Yeah, so this is another one where it's just like layer after layer after layer after layer, um, and so uh, to your point it definitely shows like they're furthering kind of like distancing of each other. Um, but the way that the, the scene is constructed is the, the eloquent part of it, I guess, is the way that I would, that I would describe it. Um, Stringer's, re Stringer, all right, <laughs> this, this, is, this is like Inception. Stringer, who is looking to fundamentally change 
the Baltimore West Side, East Side, the Baltimore drug game by imitating the mafia and forming conglomerate is talking about a weird thing that he saw down and then he's talking about Bunny's experiment to legalize to full legalize drugs into different areas and Avon can't hear any of this because he's so caught up on playing the chess match with Marlo, the thing that that he wants to do, right? And so it's like, and so it's like you have with Stringer these big, huge ideas, these big, huge concepts. How do I change the drug game um, for myself, and how the drug game itself is changing independently, which is wildly different from anything that Avon even remotely can relate to right now at this point in time, because as great as saying Barksdale, let's all remember the last time Avon was in charge of getting some drugs, he effed that one up royally. So he's not to be trusted in this department, actually getting really good product um, anymore. Um, and so, but he can't even hear any of those things because all he can focus on is, um, is, uh, is Marlo. And so, um, a, a thought that just came to me as I was thinking about this is also you talk about themes earlier on things to you. Now I'm thinking about a theme of tunnel vision and how dangerous it can be, right? Uh, Marlo represents tunnel vision for Avon. Barksdale, our stringer represents tunnel vision for McNulty. And they're both kind of pushing their different organizations down a slightly worse path because they can't get out of their tunnel vision. That just came to me as I was, as I was yeah, talking. Yeah, Avon, yeah, Avon is coming from a perspective of a kingpin who sees a up-and-coming kingpin coming after mm. what he has held on to. Nope. What he nope. wants. Nope. He- I'm going to fight back on that one. I'm going to argue back on that one. A, I don't know if if Avon identifies himself as a kingpin, but I'll go with that. Um, he he holds the crown right now, um, the figurative crown. Sure, right now. But but here's here's what I'm saying. Even more so than that, Avon is a soldier. Yes, and he's focused on the kill. Yes, that's true. Yeah. A kingpin doesn't just focus on one singular kill. No, you're right. No, that's no. not what a boss does. No, so no. that that's yeah. that's what that, I wonder what is what he would even say he is at this point in time. But that's fine. Like I like you could you could talk about like old like the general coming down off the hill. But that even further goes to the point of Avon represents everything old in the game. Yes, and, and that's what we, Avon let's, represents. Let's keep this in mind too in regards to Avon. Um, and I think that the show depicts this brilliantly. Marlo, and we can flush this out more. Marlo, you know, has been in these streets, all right, for the last couple of years. When Avon was in jail, Marlo's building up his ex- building up his organization and, and, and is out there in the trenches. Avon, all right. Avon was out the game for 26 months. Let's be honest. He was out, he, he was out the game. No, well, here, pause. That, that's pause, pause, pause. No, no, no. That's not how it works. 
that's not how it works, real. Um, we're not doing that. We're not doing like Avon can't run his thing from jail. Like, does it have no, all no, 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 different, no. Like, uh, all he was running it from things. jail, but he was that's still that's still not being being in jail is still not being out like being on point like straight. Yeah. That's there's a completely different. There's a big difference. Yeah. Yeah, we we could we could break down like the nitty gritty of that, but okay. ultimately the sh- like the show doesn't care about questions and thoughts like that. Here's here's the here's the ultimate part of it. So rise and you fall. It's just that simple. You yes. rise and you fall. You rise and you fall. Right, and we're coming in at a very specific point in these characters' lives. But it was even more interesting. Again, now where the wire is going to right is it's like. This season is kind of opening our eyes to what happened in the first season, right? Like, how did Nolte get all this ability to push a case through and everything? This season's actually showing us the process of how how that happens, right? Like, so it's answering like that interesting question for itself. I I'm calling a timeout because I I do have to depart a little bit from the. I'm just going to focus on this one season, this one episode. And I will say, we we don't have to speculate on how Marlo became Marlo because there's an entire season four that shows us, not even specifically Marlo, shows us how the young Hopper becomes Marlo, becomes Barksdale. Yeah. Yeah. So we've actually seen the journey already so we don't have to speculate on how did marlo acquire all this there's no acquiring of anything it's just the next vicious person up yes so that's that's just that's what that's just what that's just what it is um yeah i mean marlo marlo represents a lot and it's not being good at killing that's not what he represents we go to uh, Daniels and per- no, no, we did that. We go to um, oh yes, yes, this scene right here, McNulty, Kima, and Daniels. So McNulty goes back to Daniels, say, "Hey, we got some bodies for you. Uh, you know, Marlo dropped uh, two. You know, Marlo killed two of Avon's people. Peoples. Um, you know, let's go. We got some bodies." Uh, Kima says, hey, we found out that Marlo's on his own. He's not working with the Barksdales. And, you know, this is going to be, you know, they, so they, they're thinking like, all right, you know, now he's going, now he's going to um, join us in our line of thinking, possibly, in terms of going at, back after Stringer. Wrong, not, not the case. Daniels basically says, uh, you know, what is my rank? And at this point, he is about respect. So he tells Kima, he says, ask Kima what is his rank. She says, Lieutenant. Asks, he asks McNulty that. McNulty doesn't respond. And he says, if you can't remember that, you can go back to any, go back to a unit, any unit that, that will, uh, that will want to have you, that will be willing to take you. And tells him, basically tells him to get the fuck out of his office. No, tells them to get the fuck out of his office. Um, Getting back to community, uh, at this point, you know, Dan's is like, look, you know, I, you know, I took you off a boat, and you're still coming. You, you know, you're still, you're still being insubordinate. 
And getting back to community, I think Daniels was pissed off because he, Daniels built a community in regards to this, this squad. Daniels is the driving force behind the major case unit. This was not a unit member. This was, this did not begin as a unit. So he's looking at, look, I'm building this. I've built this unit to do great police work. Um, and McNulty, you are fucking this up. You are, you're threatening that with, with, you know, with your behavior and, and, and what have you. And you're dragging Kima along who I, who I brought along when she, when she was a beat cop. So I think Daniels is, at this point has just had enough. And it's not even about right. Like Kim tells him, it's not even about being right. It's about, the, it's about respect. It's about respect. It's about, um, about respect more than anything. So um, I love the scene. Great scene uh, from that standpoint. What were your thoughts? Yep. I couldn't. Yep. Yep. That's the, every, ditto to everything you said. I literally have nothing to add. So we get to Omar and Bunk. Uh, they discuss the shooting. Bunk gets on Omar about the neighborhood and what it used to be, and basically comes at basically said tells Omar, "Look, you know, we once had a community uh, where everybody looked out for each other, and you, with your actions, are threatening." have threatened that or not only threatening that but you're part of the problem you're part of the problem here i see kids glorifying you and um he lets them know that lets them know that you know when i see that this i realize how far we've fallen and of course um and of course he buck was already pissed off from the standpoint that he realized that omar basically eliminated his eyeball witness in terms of bruiser not eliminated in terms of killing him but basically bruiser's not going to bruiser that when you saw bruising Omar, that was Omar intimidation, uh, per se. Um, he's not going to do anything to Bruiser, but basically Bruiser is not, you can take Bruiser out the equation as far as testifying. Uh, so he's pissed off, so Bunk is pissed off about that and feels that Omar was kind of dismissive of Tasha being killed. Um, very powerful point in this, uh, very powerful scene. One of the few times that you see anyone get to Omar and check Omar in the series, one of the very few times, uh, but he definitely bothered, he definitely got to Omar. There's no question about it. Um, I have a few things on this, but what, what were your thoughts on, on this scene? Great scene. Oh, you're gonna, you're gonna take a majority majority of the, you, the, you got it. Um, so, fun fact about me, um, I, this scene is so powerful, it's painful for me to watch. I can't even watch it. Um, so uh, it's always hit me very, very intensely. And so this is the little that I can say, because it's so emotional, I actually can't talk on it. Um, the little bit that I will say is, it's a so powerful to see two black men on television talk to each other two powerful, strong black men standing in their, um, standing in their uh, abilities, um, no matter what their, their profession is in, in this series, um, but to, just to see two black actors kind of like go tip the tat with each other 
and not be talking about any slavery or race. You know, there's all those things that that's what makes it so powerful to have that conversation, but to not be directly addressing it, just to be having a conversation with each other, powerful. You got yeah. it. Um, yeah, it, in terms of like community, um, you know, it, it, like it took me back to, uh, you know, growing up in the uh, Trenton, Marsville area, Trenton, of course, Trenton, New Jersey, Marsville, Pennsylvania, right across, or right next to each other, literally. Uh, you know, you could cross one bridge to get to the other city. And I went back and forth in, uh, in those particular cities. Um, and, you know, when you have a community, it, it's, it's, you know, it's a beautiful thing. Like everybody on the street and everybody on, you know, shout out to the 45 saying he can drive. Uh, everybody knew each other, you know, everybody knew each other, the neighbors, the, you know, the pizza man, the pizza, you know, the pizza place down the street, the corner store down the street. And it was like a sense of everybody, everybody looked out for each other. Um, and it was really, it really was a beautiful thing. I mean, I growing up, growing up and just, you know, um, especially uh, in terms of, I, I guess it was from the ages, I would say from six to when I was in middle school and, and then I wasn't around there as much because as, as I got older, of course, but it, it, it was, what Bulk is saying is, you know, Bulk is like, yo, you, you are, you are just fucking this up. You are, you have fucked, you are part, you have fucked that up. We had a community. We had a community. And, and I think Bulk, see, you know, you see, he says, all we have is death around us. It's all we got is death now around us. So I, I I felt bunk from that standpoint of saying that I I and it, taught, it took me back to, to what communities look like uh, way back when and you know again I'm not in every of course I can't speak to every community in this country right now but uh, there seems to be less of those type of communities now than there were years ago so um, again great powerful scene. Um, and uh, again, the acting, like you to your point, was uh, definitely uh, top, was top notch. Um, Clay Davis and Stringer. So Stringer goes to Clay Davis, uh, and he goes to Clay Davis, and Clay Davis says, "Hey, I need twenty five thousand dollars, twenty five thousand dollars for the for the city permits." And then he says, uh, "Stringer says." 25,000, he says, yeah, 20,000 for the permits and $5,000 for bribing, for bribing these, these greedy motherfuckers. So now, you know, the game is on now. Uh, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna see, we're gonna see these two, of course, a lot moving forward, um, moving forward um, uh, in, in, in the series and not, I mean, in the, uh, in the season. Uh, what were your thoughts on this thing? Shut up, you're right. So we get to Cuddy Slim Charles. Um, Cuddy, uh, they spot two uh, corner boys from uh, Mar from Marlo uh, Marlo's crew, Fruit, and another guy, uh, another young another young guy, young guy with who had asthma, who we've seen a little sparingly through, through the first couple episodes. Um, Cuddy recognizes Fruit from the from you know from the guy who ripped him off in, in episode one. Sell, you know, sell some Charles. He owes me money. He owes me, owes me, owes me money. 
you see then uh, Slim Charles shoots the young boy, shoots and kills him. Cuddy uh, has a clear shot, and I mean a clear, has fruit dead to rights. He glances at the young boy who's dead and then glances back to fruit and then allows, then lets fruit grow, fruit go, fruit runs off. And you see Slim Charles say, come on, let's go. My, and, and Slim Charles takes responsibility thinking that, uh, thinking that he was the reason why Cuddy um, didn't uh, kill the young boy saying he got, you know, opened up too quick, got in your line of fire. So they run off with, uh, they, they drive off with killing, you know, one of uh, Marlowe's peoples. And of course, Fruit gets away. Uh, what were your thoughts on this scene? Yeah, this ties into the end. I'll talk about it when we get there. All right, we have uh, Bodie and Spider. Uh, Bodie tells Spider, uh, Bodie is, is the dealer that, you know, is a, of course a younger dealer. He tells Spider, hey, you won't get caught. Sends him to Amsterdam with the, with the, with the small package that we talked about earlier with Stringer. Uh, so we had, so we see, you know, Spider starting to get a little bit more, um, We've seen Spider now a couple times in this, uh, in this, uh, not this episode, but but in this season. So it's somebody to kind of remember for for the future. And now the Barksdales have people, uh, some have their uh, foot uh, in the um, in Amsterdam in terms of making a, a profit. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, set up. We see Tommy and Teresa D'Agostino. Um, He's continue, he continues to uh, convince her, to try to convince her to help him running his campaign. And for the first time, he has her ear. Uh, he lets her know that Odell Watkins is not happy with Royce. Uh, they, he discusses the state's witness uh, case with, with, her, with, her well, with her as well. She gives him a strategy from a standpoint of you're going to need you're gonna need somebody to split the vote. And then he says, you know, Tony, then then he says Tony Gray, Tony Gray uh, could be that guy. So they are finally uh, in unison in regards to how they're gonna go about possibly making him mayor for the first time because previous episodes, she was completely against it, says he basically had no chance to win. So for the first time he has her ear uh, in regards to this, um, what were your thoughts? I wanted to say setup, but um, it, it, it is a setup, but it was a lot going connects, on. Yeah, 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 it connects. It connects with what what I was saying about Tony Gray and like how he's the engineer of his own destruction, and this kind of like solidifies that. Um, not solidifies that because we got to see a lot more, but but is is part of the instrument because all the information he's giving to her, Tony Gray gave to him. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. About, about delicate, the, and the key part being delicate Watkins not being happy with Royce. Uh, that was yeah, which yep. was vital. Um, we get to uh, Kima McNulty. So McNulty still, you know, McNulty still being McNulty says, you know, he Daniel says, got to know that we're right. And so on, and Kima basically says it doesn't matter if with you because all he sees is you at this point. 
uh, and she gets she and she in essence gives him the ideal to go over Daniels' head and go and by going to Colvin. So she she puts that into yep. his she definitely puts that into his head and uh, you know, uh, from that standpoint. So we'll see what that leads to. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, so this is the one that I thought you were gonna talk about more in terms of like is chemo with McNulty and not and so I, I when I was watching the scene I was oh, thinking no, she's about absolutely it. yeah no um, this is this is a McNulty like this is this is this is the part to me in this scene where she Yeah, yeah this, 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 this is what I thought you were gonna yeah, yeah, refer yes, to. Absolutely, yes, yeah. no question. No, no yeah. question. Yeah. So so then so then now I'm presenting a counter argument because I do not believe that at all. Um, here's what I do believe. I do believe Keena's on the hunt. And okay. in order, like, she knows, like, she was the one doing the work on Marlo. Yes. So she knows this is significant. She knows this is significant. She's not on Daniel's side or McNulty's side on this. She's, She's on, on the hunt right now. Okay. And the best way to get the hunt going is um, even one better than McNulty ever could figure out. Stop sticking your nose in the things and then telling the people to keep your name out of it and just don't stick your nose in it. Um, and so, uh, so anyway, so, so Kim was on, Kim was on the hunt and she knows that McNulty doesn't even need any nudging on this. All she has to do is just bring it up and then he'll be, he'll be off to the races on, on his, on his own on this. So, so yeah, no, that is, that's a great point. I also will say this. So we've seen in two out of the last three episodes, McNulty has, because of the, you mentioned earlier about the tunnel vision, he has so much tunnel vision to string a bell, he doesn't even realize that he's being used because he's, he's been used twice. So Kima's using him from the standpoint of further investigation and being on a hunt. Lester used him a couple, of episodes, a couple of episodes ago when he said, well, you police, right? Go, let's see if you can dig some more up on Stringer. So both Kima and both Kima and Lester use McNulty's tunnel vision. Really, uh, I'm not gonna say yeah, kind of of against him to further their own. They don't have a personal stake, but they, they they're still police, and they're still they still part of them. Yeah, they. I mean, like they they very much do have a personal stake, um, because they're doing their they're doing the jobs that they're supposed to do. Um, you know, like he, like another important scene, not important scene, but another thing that happened at the bar was, and this is also again what separates Kima from McNulty, like very, very on a very moral moral fiber level, which is why they can't that like the two, like they're not no, they they're not running buddies. Um, was uh she says, You know what's so hard about being police? And he goes, Yeah, telling your wife uh why she has to get uh uh, vaccinations for your kidney infection, you know, something crass, a crude like that. Yeah. And Kima goes, no, it's trying to make the job mean something. Yeah. So that's, that's what I'm talking about. McNulty's petty personal team is trying to make this job mean something for her. Yes. And ultimately mean something, make it mean something. Um, so though, that's the difference between those two. Uh, you have um, Royce Burrell and, of course, Royce's chief of staff. They criticize Burrell about the murder rate. Um, and he basically tells, he flat out tells, flat out t- tells Burrell, I don't see 
justification for a full term for you. Um, we pro you promised me 275. We're already at 260. We're already at 260. And now everybody uh, is feeling the crunch in Burrell in particular. It's feeling the this Burrell in particular now is feeling the heat because of all of all, all of these uh, murders. Uh, you know, with Burrell, with uh, Colvin. I, I forgot to mention a, a phone call between Colvin and, and Ross after the, the two guys got killed, uh, the two Barksdales were killed um, at, the, uh, at the feet of Marlowe, uh, you know, you had Cole, you had Rawls on saying, basically saying, you basically, you don't have anything. We, you know, we're in, in, to um, Colvin, Colvin says, you know, we're, you know, we're looking into it and so on and so on. And that's when he asked, that's of course the scene where he went and asked for her information, her can have shit. So everybody's feeling the crunch. Uh, trickling down of the murder rate and how many murders are going, uh, how many murders are being committed. And Burrell, of course, is at the top of that because he is the police commissioner and is on a, is on somebody else's terms. It's not, he, you know, he, he could be, he could be taken out at uh, any time from a standpoint of being replaced. Uh, what were your thoughts on that scene? Sure can. Uh, yeah, I don't have anything to add. That Yep, nothing to add. That's exactly what the scene was about. Um, you have uh, McNulty and Colvin. So this is when uh, McNulty tries to convince Colvin to go to the bosses uh, above him um, and going going above. Of course, Daniels' head says, "Look, you know, you're gonna have a war between Marlowe and Barksdale." And of course, he wants McNulty wants uh, him to uh, go to the higher ups. And and McNulty, and by the way, McNulty's not wrong from the standpoint of the information saying that there's going to be a war between Marlowe and Barstow because there is going to be there is that is going that is happening is going to happen. So he's right from that standpoint. But we know what his he didn't he didn't do anything. To, no, he didn't do anything to gain that information. He didn't do anything to gain the information. So he doesn't get to be right. When you don't do anything to gain the information, he's right. just using hearsay. Yeah, no, he's. I mean, yeah, of course, he, coming from Keenan, he trusts it, but still, he's just using hearsay yes, yes. because he wants to further his objective. Oh yeah, yeah, no question. Mm -mm. He no, doesn't no. get to be right. Now, Keenan would have said that absolutely, <laughs> but he doesn't get to be right. But to Keenan, I mean, to Keenan's point, to the show's point, to everything, if she goes and does it, nobody takes her seriously. That's ultimately what the show is trying to say. Um. So, anyways, no, he doesn't get to be right though. Hold on, now get now get back he to didn't earn it. He didn't earn it. Ex explain that you said you said now she if she tells Colvin nobody takes her seriously. Why did why would they take her take McNulty serious versus taking her serious? Because she's a woman in the police department, Sorrell. Dude, like like it's 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 subtle. It's not a, it's, the reason I'm not banging on it is because it's not the biggest point that they're trying to make. The show is trying to make in that, but but that is that is there. Obviously, yes, there. Go to, a white uh, man has a better chance than a uh, woman yes. of color yep. of getting people's attention. Come on now. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Avon, Cuddy, and Slim. Um, so they come back with information that they uh, obviously that they killed one of Barksdale's, not Barksdale's, but one of Marlowe's, uh, Marlowe's corner boys. Avon is semi pleased um of course he wanted both of them dead <laughs> but he's semi-pleased says you know that's one less that's one less you know motherfucker breathing there was yesterday 
uh, says, but he criticizes Cuddy for letting the other guy go. Um, and then, you know, it says, you know, shit, hey, you know, he's surprised. Shit didn't used to get by you back in the day. And then uh, you see a Slim try to defend um, Cuddy. Uh, but Avon, not Avon, but uh, Cuddy just comes out and says, look, you know, I can't, I couldn't do it. Like, however, whatever, whatever it is that make you do what you do and flow how you flow is not in me no more. And he wants out. Um, Avon tries to talk him into just, you know, not being in the trenches, but being kind of using him for his mind. And he makes it clear that no, it's all, all, all of this is done. I'm done. I'm finished. Um, and Avon lets him go, um, says, hey, we're good. You know, daps him up and uh, hugs, hugs him and, 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 he, and Cuddy walks out. And you see uh, Slim says, uh, Slim Charles says, you know, he was a man back in his day. And Avon, you know, kind of stops, stops Slim Charles says, no, he's a man. He's a man today. Uh, says he's a man today. And we see that that scene wrap up. Um, what were your thoughts? Okay, I'm going to try to. I'm going to try. So a lot of thoughts. So I'm going to try to summarize. I'm try to. I'm try to streamline it as much as possible. Um, this episode, I adore. It is my favorite episode by far up to this point. Um, I do have to remember season four is coming. Um, I do have to remember that. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, this, this, this episode, but th it doesn't even matter. This episode is no, a fantastic episode. It doesn't even matter. I don't even uh, like, like that. And it legitimately has three top 10 scenes in it. And this is one of them. And this is one, I think, like the, I can make a great argument for Bunny and grandmother talking, but, um, you know, I, I'm not going to probably convince the masses on that. I don't have to make a strong argument for this one. This is one that people easily and readily identify this moment right here. Um, and so uh, Omar Bunk, um, Bunny, Grandma, and then uh, Slim Charles, Avon, and uh, Cuddy. Um, just, just, just three fantastic scenes. Okay, so let me stream. Like I said I was gonna try to streamline and I do a good job. All right, so, um, so uh, the reason why the scene is so powerful is because it extends to the Omar um, bunk scene leads into this scene. So the power of that scene were two men having a conversation standing on opposite sides and each one giving the rationale for why they exist and um, what their purpose is in that existence. So that's, that's, part, that's part one. This is an extended conversation of that, which is legitimately the question that initially starts off and is being asked throughout this is how do you change? And is change good? And can change be for the benefit? Here's what I'll say right now. 
it will be touch and go on pretty much every single thing that is brought up for referral reform in this show. You make your own choices, you make your own judgments as the viewers, but there will be no argument. It will be touch and go, meaning there's not going to be solid ground. What Cuddy starts to form here is the answer, the antidote that this show is presenting. If you want to look at it that way, if you don't, then he's just another, he's just another convict that is trying to do something. If you do look at him as the antidote, then it becomes very clear what this show is offering as a solution to the societal ills that they have presented out. The last thing that I'll say um, is that uh, Slim Charles says, um, man, he used to be the man. And Avon Barksdale, the character Avon Barksdale, the show The Wire, stripped themselves just kind of down and out of just like the, the intellectual heavy space that they want to be and just needed to give that moment. And that's why I love about it, where Avon goes, nah, he's a man right now for that. Like, there's so much death and despair that will happen, that has happened in this show and will continue to happen in this show. But I really appreciate them for giving that moment because it needed to be Avon who said that because it gives permission to other little black and brown boys or whoever, big black and brown men who are watching this and going, oh, I love drugs. I love the drug game. I love the, 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 everything. Like all those different aspects of it, which are absolutely intriguing and a part of television and a part of entertainment, but also for them to have the ability and the, the self-reflection to be like, you know what? You just need a moment like this. I really, I really appreciate that. So that's yeah, it. I think, yeah, I think Avon, I mean, I think, I mean, Avon knows who this guy is from a standpoint of, but he knows what type of work this guy did back in the day. So it's not so much question. Deeper, deeper, real, deeper. This one's too, this one's deep. This one's deep. This one's I, deep. Think, I, mean, I think he, I mean, we saw this, listen, episode one, Avon told Weebay, I think the I think the joint might have broke him. Um, mm-hmm. so, so Avon. But when he was saying that, see, no, 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 no. That's why I need you to differentiate. That's why I need anybody to differentiate. When he was saying that at that point in time, he was being dismissive of him. When he says, no, he's a man today, he's uplifting him. That is a that is a commitment of the highest order. Right? Because what do we always like? There are there are unwritten rules that we know as a society about the crime game because of people who have who have informed. And so one of the written rules is that when you're in, you're in, and there's only one way out. Right. So that moment's meant to be powerful, and it's meant to go way deeper than he knows the type of person that he is, because it doesn't matter the type of person that you are. You still don't get to walk out that door, no matter how tough you were. So the fact that he stood there and not only was like, it's all good, but then let him out says, again, I can't say this enough, and this is what people need, like, it has to be, 
Cuddy is the antidote. The world is shit. Baltimore is shit. That's what they're saying. What happens with Cuddy from this point on is the antidote. Pay attention. The show's telling us something. Pay attention. Yeah, I told nice. you it's deep. That's why I texted you. It's deep. It's nice. deep. Pay attention. And it means everything to the times we're in right now. Cuddy's the antidote. Think about, I'm just talking to you right now, real. Think about everything that's going to happen to Cuddy from this moment on and what he's going to do and how often he comes back to Avon. And what does Avon see in him? Not an old gangster. What does Avon see in him? That's the antidote. That's what I put to the 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 um the audience. Yeah, no, it was definitely no, it was definitely a powerful uh, scene. Um uh really just um uh, just you know, I mean acting with you know uh Chad Coleman um uh and um Wood Harris definitely uh definitely did their things in this in this particular scene. Um yeah, because you know Avon, you know Avon is hard. You know to let somebody like walk away like that. That's not something that you don't see. Um, and it was hard to even when it when it happened at the time. I didn't believe that Avon. And we've seen some humane sides of Avon. We've seen it with the family, uh, with D'Angelo. We've seen some. I ain't gonna say gentle moments. But we've seen some moments of humanity from Avon. But I definitely didn't expect. You know he's losing the war right now against Marlo doesn't have a lot of good, doesn't have good people around him that you can trust as far as uh, in terms of being quality or quality people in his organization. So uh, it took a lot to allow, to allow him to want to let Cuddy just walk away like that. Um, themes, we talked about uh, family feuds. Uh, we see it within the Barksdales. We see it within the uh, major case unit. Um, we even, I mean, I can make a case that we even see it even with, um, with Bunny and, you know, the Western officers a little bit, we'll see more of that coming on. Uh, community, we discussed that in regards to, in particular, the bunk Omar, um, uh, the bunk and Omar, uh, scene in regards to that. What were your, who was your MVP of the episode? So my MVP is Cuddy. Okay. Yep, I can see that. Uh, I had Avon. For I mean, I had Avon as, as the MVP. I thought that his presence was was felt even when and even in scenes that he wasn't in uh, with him, you know, escalating this war between Marlo, you see the pressures to bring the murder rate down. You see Burrell feel that pressure. Um, you see what's happening, you know, with Stringer and and uh, and uh, the uh, real estate thing. But yeah, I, I, I thought Avon felt throughout the course of, uh, of this entire episode. And he was just great in all the scenes that he was in, to be honest with you. Um, I had him as MVP. Uh, Sardine Award. Sardine goes to um, Bunk. Yeah, I had yeah, I had I, mean, I had Omar Bunk, but yeah, I mean, if you had to pick one of those two, it, it would have been Bunk. But I had that sure. I, I had that scene as I, I had that mm-hmm. scene in general as the yeah. Sardine Award. Yep, so. yep, 
Yeah, we were definitely on the same page um, from that uh, from that standpoint. So six episodes down, um, halfway through uh, season three, um, it is uh, it only gets better. It only gets better. It only gets better uh, from yeah. here. It only gets better from here. Again, very there's a there's a tremendous episode. Uh, very powerful episode, and um, love this episode. Can't can't say enough about this episode. Looking forward to uh, looking to look forward to episode seven, which is titled uh, "Slapstick." Uh, as always, thanks to Rob Sat for joining the program. I will yes, see sir. you next time. All right. That's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. The Wire Remix. Of course, you can subscribe to my YouTube channel, www.youtube.com slash C podcast. I will see you next time. Uh, matter of fact, I will be on Tuesday for um, uh, talking about the NFL and also a, a host of other things on the next edition of the Real Deal podcast. Have a great rest of the evening. I'm out.